0: was just quite stressed, run down. You know, things get like that for business sometimes. You go through little rough patches and and I wasn't doing very well and it it took me a while to finally, you know, get the courage to go out and see someone but going to see, you know, a professional therapist at at the time was was the first step to me sort of starting that recovery process.
1: Raw, a podcast by Lightspeed and Poe. This is a podcast about the highs and lows of running a hospitality business. In collaboration with the PO network, which you've come to know with the conversation amplified. We have frank and open discussions about the state of the industry from the best leaders in hospitality. We aim to capture the extent of how far conversations can go. Uncensored, stripped and genuine, powerful and grounded in confidence we unpack the unique first-hand experience from the experts tackling the very real and at times intense issues in our industry. Now let's get into today's show. On a Coffee has a few different arms to the business. On a Wholesale, which roasts and distributes coffee to cafes all around Australia. Project Origin, which is the green bean supplier. And on a Retail Group, which consists of the five venues across Australia. Three in Canberra, one in Sydney and one in Melbourne attached to the honor coffee roastery they offer an entire signature range of house blends and an ever-changing range of origin coffees today we talk with Danny Marino who is the co-owner and venue manager of honor coffee house in Canberra
0: hey Danny how are you I'm good thanks thanks for having me on no
1: dramas Mate, so fantastic to have you on the podcast today. Thanks so much for coming on, especially someone in Canberra, and we have not talked to many people in the Canberra hospitality scene, so I felt really, really privileged to have you on the podcast today. So let's let's talk about how you started out in the industry and got to the point where you're at honour right now.
0: Yeah, so I started off uh, as a teenager while I was in college, started uh, washing dishes in a restaurant, bottom of the food chain. Um, <laughs> Did a, did a sort of few months there and didn't really know what I wanted to do really at the time um, and an opportunity came up to, to start an apprenticeship. So I ended up sort of going, going with that route. Um, I did sort of three years there, sort of other carte dining, developed a bit of passion for food and um, probably sweets more so at the time, um, being on cold larder and doing lots of desserts and that sort of thing. mm mm-hmm. Um, so that was, a, that was a tough slog at the start, lots of, you know, split shifts and long hours. Um, but obviously really set me up for my career with, um, with a good base of work ethic and, and training and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, moved on sort of from there to, um, to Element um, under an Indonesian chef um, where I got qualified. Um, and then sort of went on to run a few kitchens sort of around town in Marnica and, and Kingston. Uh, and then I needed to just sort of get out of town, spread my wings a little bit and um, and went to the snow for a couple of seasons, spent sort of a year and a half there up in Threadbow mm-hmm. um, at Eagle's Nest. Um, that was quite an interesting experience, catching the chairlift to work every day and um, <laughs> cooking for the masses on the hill. But. Um, mm-hmm. And then I sort of hooked up with Honor a little bit after that. Mm-hmm. Um, developed a, you know, sort of saw what they were doing with coffee and was sort of drawn in. The latte art was sort of starting to sort of come of age at that sort of time. And I um, always wanted to run my own place. Um, so I kind of didn't really want to do it from the kitchen. Wanted to be able to sort of jump front of house and and be able to sort of know all aspects of a business if I was, you know, going to one day run my own. So it just made sense to. To jump out the front, and yeah, I was really grateful that that Sash and Honor gave me an opportunity to to you know learn the ropes, and eventually sort of went from the machine to then sort of you know learning the ins and outs of working the floor and managing a venue, and yeah, here I am, twenty two years later, still still in the game, but um, yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, but yeah, I still really enjoy the just connecting with people and that you know being able to sort of enrich people's day and. You know, um, yeah, just sort of be a positive influence on on the younger younger generation, and, and sort of you know being a leader and that sort of thing. Now is something that really inspires me.
1: Mm. How did how did you find coming out of being a chef for such a long time and then going to do something in coffee? Because I sort of found that sort of myself as well. Coming, I, I started off baking for like ten or twelve years and then went into coffee, um, and it was a big shift. In my thinking of how to work in hospitality, like what did you find was the biggest shift for you moving from you know back of house to front of house in that role?
0: Yeah, it was it was a it was a sort of hard transition. But actually, the guy that I spent most of the time with on the coffee machine was actually an ex chef as well.
1: Oh wow!
0: Um, so it sort of made that sort of transition a little bit more comfortable, I guess. The being confident with that customer interaction was probably the hardest part to start with. Mm. Working behind a coffee machine—it's quite similar to to how you work in a kitchen, really, in terms of you know getting a docket and producing a product and and staying clean and prepared and all that sort of thing. But um, being customer facing um, was definitely, um, yeah, the probably the most challenging thing to start with, I think. But mm. it's something that I've really grown to. That's the part that I like, I guess now. Mm. Um, Funny enough. So you,
1: you came out and obviously the ski fields then, and you and you went back to Canberra. Like, what was the motivation to come back to Canberra at that particular time?
0: Yeah, uh, I guess uh, Threadbo is such a small place, and it's quite a bit. It's quite a party town as well. Um, <laughs> it's not really somewhere where you can, you know, probably stay for too long. Um, so I'd done sort of a year and a half there and was just ready to come home. Um, mm. And I just sort of right place, at the right time uh Eagles Nest had started using Honor. It was one of their sort of first accounts and ran into one of the baristas. He'd come up for, to do some training um, and they needed a chef. So it kind of just – everything sort of just fell into place. Hmm.
1: And what did you learn from your couple of years at, at Threbo and, and that kind of stuff? Because that's obviously a very different environment to be a chef and, and be in the hospitality industry. I've known many people who have who've have, you know worked up there for many seasons um what have you taken from that that you're actually using now do you think
0: yeah just obviously just being prepared for that the the masses of people i went from probably doing 100 to 150 covers to to doing 4 400 plus um and just being prepared to to deal with those kind of numbers and then obviously running a team and um staying on top of your prep and all that sort of thing that was probably the main sort of lessons that I learnt being mm. there. Mm. Um, and then the, just the little challenges of getting stock up the chairlift and, um, you know, making sure that, you know, you're not going to run out of food and being in such a remote place, obviously being prepared was was key. Mm.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's not like you can just run run down a couple of k's down the road to go get some uh, extra bacon or extra eggs that you need, right? <laughs> yeah, no,
0: that's right. Yeah. <laughs> now. Yeah.
1: When uh when I knew you were, you were gonna come on the podcast, I was super excited because as I said in the start of the podcast, like uh, we haven't interviewed someone from from Canberra yet on the Raw series. And I feel like Canberra is a bit like a hospitality scene like Newcastle or like Adelaide or Perth or Tasmania that sort of gets lost in conversation because it is a smaller it is a smaller market, especially when you think about something so close as the Sydney market being so prominent in Australian food culture. Like can you explain to me how you see
0: the Canberra scene as being unique? Yeah, look, it's it's a, there's a lot of big sort of modern Australian sort of scene, a lot of sort of sharing sort of plate restaurants have sort of really popped up over the last few years, but there is a real broad range, you know, of sort of different venues, I guess. We we do take a lot from Sydney and Melbourne being that we're so sort of close. Mm. Um, that's where sort of we look to get inspired. Um but the scene's really gone up a notch, I feel, in the last five years, especially. Um, and there's, there's so many venues here that you know you have to you have to have a point of difference to survive. Mm. How do you, how do you see that being different? How do you see the camper scene actually
1: being different? Like, do you find it do you find it to be more expensive or or anything like that than what the Sydney scene sort of is? Because obviously you've got a lot of uh, you've got a lot of private. No, sorry, you've got a lot of public. Servants and that kind of stuff who live who live in Canberra.
0: Yeah, everything in general is pretty expensive, but yeah, we are a little bit exy here because of that all that public service sort of money that feeds that. Mm.
1: Um. So obviously, at the start of the podcast as well, I said there were three different arms to the business. Now, you've been with Honor for how long now? Just remind me. Uh,
0: about fourteen years.
1: Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So. And I've been to the I've been to Honor here in Melbourne and experienced that. I uh-huh. uh, yeah. remember how awesome that is. It's an amazing space. Um, but how do the three sort of arms of the business sort of talk to each other? And how have you seen that develop over the time that you've been there for the last 14 years?
0: Yeah, so it's sort of I guess I've have seen them all sort of pop up. I guess so. It just started as Honor with uh, with the shop there in Monica, um, and then obviously Fishwick opened. Uh, and then Sash sort of started going coffee hunting around the world and started, uh, you know, connecting with different farmers and building that sort of relationship and that's how sort of Project Origin came about. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously then we've we've grown with, you know, more sort of shops. We were sort of, there was probably a period where we were a little bit disconnected and that was the great thing about COVID. It really brought the whole group together. Um, we all sort of banded together and you know a lot of zoom meetings and and that sort of thing and we've sort of we've really taken that sort of post covid and and now working more as a team as you, as a unit which is which is great to see um but it's really evolved over time over the years obviously as it has from a you know young company um sort of going through and the coffee scene has changed a fair bit as well over the years and the food and that sort of thing but um yeah it's it's been great to be a part of mm. We,
1: what's your interpretation of where the coffee scene sort of is now? With you know being in the market for 14 years, and in honor, like you would have seen, you know, a lot of change during that time. Especially, you said at the start of the podcast about latte yeah. art and those kind of things, right? Like that's it's amazing to think about that as a as a starting point. Like, how do you sort of yeah. feel, how
0: do you feel the coffee industry is right now? Yeah, it's really transitioned from that that really sort of big takeaway trade. You know, everyone's sort of into their milk base. You had a few, a few sort of espresso drinkers, um, but especially over the last five years, the filter, the filter sort of coffee is really sort of started to take off. Um, people are really starting to buy into that. You know, more and it's it's becoming a lot more like wine in the sense with a lot of those different single origins and the way that they're processing coffee and that sort of thing these days, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm noticing a lot more people are brewing their own coffee at home. That's obviously becoming, you know, the home brewsters are really starting to take off and um, becoming a lot more comfortable and just more informed and being able to brew a nice cup at home, which is great. Do you find
1: it's a – when they do brew at home, like do you find that's a – they're still coming to you on a regular basis even though they might be buying coffee beans from you and doing some of their filters at home, for example?
0: Yeah, they obviously don't come and buy as many cups, but they'll still come in and get a cup and get a bag um, and they're the ones that'll ask. They'll be they'll be trying to pick our brains and ask us questions on you know how are you guys ruin this and mm. what are you doing for that and that sort of thing. And they're the customers that, that you you know you enjoy serving and enjoy interacting because you can you know impart a bit of knowledge and you know sometimes you can learn a little bit from mm. them as well, which is cool. Mm. Do
1: you, do you find that at home market really grew obviously during COVID? I would imagine, and that's something has just sort of come on exponentially after the
0: yeah COVID. massive. Yeah, huge. Like, And that's we sell a lot of retail coffee where we are being attached to the roastery so that was a big help for us Mm. Um, being able to sort of sell, you know, a fair bit off the shelf and obviously they they sold a fair bit online as well Mm. uh, through wholesale. It became a big sort of part of the business through that period. Mm. And I think maybe that's where that sort of scene has sort of developed from as well. A lot of people stuck at home learning how to make coffee and had a lot more time on their hands so... Um, it's become a hobby
1: for for a few people. If only they want to become baristas in actual venues, hey? <laughs> yeah, that would be good. Yeah, because there's a lack of them
0: at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: yeah. Is, is it hard with a brand like yours, obviously with, with five venues across Australia, um, is it hard to actually differentiate yourself between other coffee brands? Because you're obviously doing amazing things. You've got to, you know, you're doing your own roastery, uh, green bean supplier, all those kind of all those kind of things where you've got a lot of control, is it hard to actually make your brand different in a space which is full of such great coffee brands?
0: Yeah, I guess for us it's um, – its it, we try and do it with our service, I guess. Um, you know, little touches like pouring water at the table, being quite informed with what we're selling, um, what's in our menu, um, you know, delivering, you know – uh, you know, nice sort of curated flavors when we when we take coffees to the table and and just make sure that all the staff are, are well informed in, in what we're delivering.
1: Mm. You mentioned before as well about um, about COVID and the positivity between the connection between you know the five venues that Honor has. What what sort of positives have come out from a customer standpoint? um and the connection with your team like have you have you found there's actually been some positives from covid which you which you the team is currently sort of delivering on
0: yeah just i think a bit more consistency across the across the venues which is great um in terms of you know how we're how we're doing our menus and how we're serving serving our coffees and you know and how we're doing our service and all that sort of thing we do sort of tweak things from different venue to venue but um, wherever you can sort of be consistent for the customer is always a good thing.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Do you find your um, customers are more connected to you now because they maybe would have got to know you um, pretty well during COVID times, I'd imagine?
0: Yeah, we've always had quite a like community sort of vibe and like a really good core group of regulars sort of at Fishwick. So uh, maybe not so much there. I know that um, maybe in the other stores it probably would, would be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, they had, you know, uh, high roads in in a in a suburb there in Dixon, where a lot of people would have been coming for their morning coffee and and that sort of thing when they were doing the takeaway windows. So that would have would have created a bit more of that community vibe, I guess, mm. um, which always brings people together. Mm. I
1: know, I know you were working back of house before um, as a chef, so you wouldn't have seen the front of house as much, or wouldn't have been um, involved in that experience, but. How do you find the difference in being in a cafe environment now, being front of house, being that, being that person who's connecting with customers all the time and why do you enjoy that part of the industry um, in a different way than what you would have as a chef?
0: Yeah, I think with, with food, it's obviously it's, it's the rush of service um, and you still get a piece of that on the floor um, But I think it's the pride in, you know, producing a product with your hands from scratch and, you know, and seeing something go out. Um, That's, you know, that's the thing about being in kitchens Mm. um, that that I really enjoyed, you know, being able to produce something, um, make it look really nice on the plate, be proud of it and sending it out. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas on the floor it's a, you know, it's a different vibe where you're connecting with people um, you're also trying to keep the kitchen happy. You can get stuck in the middle at times. Um, but making sure that service runs smoothly and just trying to have people leave happier than when, when they turned up mm. um, and just being able to, you know, sort of enrich their day and, um, yeah, just give them really good service.
1: I imagine it must be a positive that you were or uh, you are a chef, Um, And that you have that connection between front of house and back of house and have that a bit of, I suppose, that bit of empathy with the back of house when things are kind of going pear-shaped or, uh, you know, can go out of control at certain times, no matter how well prepped and planned you are. Do you find that's a benefit being,
0: you know, a a co-owner and a venue manager of of honour? It definitely, definitely helps, you know, when things, you know, when there's days where, you know, things don't go to plan or. Things don't run smoothly, or the kitchen copper, and and things just take longer than they should. Sometimes it just happens, Mm. Um, but it's handy to sort of understand it, and not just sort of fly off the handle. What's going on? Because I sort of get it, Um, and it's been really handy since COVID, just to be able to jump in, do the odd shift. Um, Chefs are are a dime a dozen these days. Mm. Um, I think a lot of them went back overseas, sort of through COVID, and getting staff is pretty tough. Um, So just being able to jump in and help out. Um, has been really handy. Yeah
1: did you did you find when you have jumped back of house and done those shifts and that kind of stuff you've you've seen stuff that you didn't think was actually there like like um, just yeah new things which have come up which you you might have heard in conversation but you didn't actually realise
0: until you're actually in the moment yourself. Yeah, well you see you see it from a different perspective for sure. Yeah, um, and it had been it'd been a good eight years sort of between between stints in there so. It took me a while to get sort of back on my feet, but then to be able to see it run and then sort of have conversations about, okay, well, can we tweak this? Can can we do this better? You know, definitely. Um, you definitely see things from a different light when you're mm. in there doing it, definitely.
1: So last week when we had a chat um, about this podcast before the recording, we talked about and you were very open and honest about your challenges with mental health in the past and how you pushed through. Can you explain a bit? about the support that you actually went out and sourced and, and how you got to a place which you're feeling in a much happier environment, Danny, because there's so many people who are to the podcast who would be challenged with the same the same yeah. challenges, like really, yeah. and, and and would learn a lot
0: from from how
1: you pushed through. Do you want to share a bit about your journey?
0: Yeah. Look, I was obviously in a bit of a rough patch, but, you know, we'd renovated and I was – just quite stressed run down you know things get like that for business sometimes you, you go through little rough patches and and I wasn't doing very well and it, it took me a while to finally you know get the courage to go out and see see someone but going to see you know a professional therapist at, at the time was was the first step to to me sort of starting that recovery process Um. And like I felt quite weak about doing it at the time. It took me a few months to finally sort of bite the bullet and, and go ahead and start, you know, having a conversation with someone. But, um, it made a huge difference being able to just speak to someone that's impartial, um, that obviously knows sort of what's going on and, and can sort of help sort of give you the tools to, to get out of it. Um, and he could see that I was quite stressed and work was, Obviously, a bit of an issue. So he gave me, you know, some tools on how to sort of fix some processes at work, which was great. Um, make things a little bit more black and white, so that I wasn't, you know, so stressed and trying to control everything. Um, and then also just fix a lot of my routines, sort of outside of work. One of the things that I probably hold most important now is is getting the just the the right amount of sleep. Um, you know, it's a little bit cliche, but eating eating well and um, you know, getting a bit of movement, a bit of exercise, um, has sort of made a, a huge difference to to my mental state, which is great. Mm. Was
1: Was it hard to make those changes in the in the in the beginning? Because
0: like in the yeah, you know, you know how we talk,
1: you know, we talk about eating well and we talk about um, movement and those kind of things and. Uh, they all sound like easy fixes, but sometimes I find they're they're a bit of a challenge when you put them all together.
0: Like was the way yeah, you sort of combat it? So yeah, you kind of you got to start slow. Like I think I started just trying to fix my nightly routine,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you know going to bed at a at a decent hour, writing a list if I needed to, so I wasn't taking stuff to to bed and tossing and turning. Um, obviously trying to slowly fix my diet, and I just started slowly walking. We're blessed here with, with lots of beautiful trails so it was good to sort of get a bit of an escape and I developed a hobby for hiking in the end which was oh, awesome. really cool. But um, slowly over time, I've been able to just add layers to those routines and, and those habits. But um, you definitely has to start slow. It's not something that, that happens overnight. Mm. Was, was there
1: something you took out of your work routine that sort of benefited as well, like was there certain shifts that you decided not to work anymore or certain days or anything like that?
0: Uh, I've just learnt that when I do start to see those signs and I get like a little bit run down, a bit tired, that I take a break mm-hmm. when I probably didn't, didn't used to. Mm. Um, and um, I guess it's been handy with COVID as well. We've had a couple of breaks here and there, which has obviously been you know, things have wind wind down so you've been able to sort of recover a little bit. Um, but it is it is early start. So, you know, just making sure that you're not up too late. Um and then just yeah, making sure that I'm not I'm not doing six, seven days and that sort of thing. um yeah, keeping your hours as not as low as possible, you know, you still need to work hard and do what you gotta do, but but not, you know, um make sure that you're you're overrun and run yourself down. Mm. definitely important. It's easy to do when you run your own business. You just want to be there all the time and, and lead by example and all that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, you've got to sort of, you know, know when to take your foot off the gas and take it easy a little bit.
1: Do you find that's some, been something that's come through self-awareness or have you got someone that's sort of checking in on you and telling you like, hey, Danny, like you really need to push back here, mate, like you've just gone a bit too hard?
0: Yeah, no, I think it's definitely I've sort of started to see the signs and and I know there's times where I need to sort of go hard, things are on and things need to be done and then just knowing, okay, there's a patch here where I can kind of, you know, take it easy a little bit and just knowing when, when to take those opportunities and, um, yeah, you definitely need to be aware of it. It's good obviously to have people around you to tell you sometimes but, um, yeah, I've definitely become more aware of, you know, how I, how I am and how my moods are and that sort of thing. Mm. That's great to hear, mate. Well done. I was going to
1: say as well, like I know when we talked last week, you said those challenges and, and that enlightenment came before COVID. Do you, do you find with, you know, two, two years of, you know, random lockdowns and stuff during COVID in Canberra and obviously here in Melbourne and Sydney, do you find that helped you with as in coping mechanisms during that time as well?
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. It was timely because it came probably 12 months beforehand and really sort of set me up to to be able to cope with, you know, with the stress and, and all that that came sort of with the lockdowns and, um, you know, how the business was affected and all that sort of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, there was a lot of change and a lot of uncertainty at the time, which can be quite unsettling. Um, but, yeah, it really sort of set me up to be able to sort of cope with, with those challenges,
1: and do you find you know having that information now, those like tools in your toolkit in order to deal with those challenges, is that something in which you'd be able to give some help to others around you in the industry as well, or
0: is it yeah. probably too early in the journey? Oh, maybe sort of. Yeah, it could be a little bit early. I do try and sort of impart some of the knowledge to to the younger kids that I have. Sort of, you know, it's it's definitely becoming more and more a part of society. You know, with um, you know, with so much technology and social media and, um, and all that sort of thing. So whenever I can, you know, not so much impart the knowledge but be a good influence and, and be a good leader and just show sh- the younger generation sort of, you know, how to have good habits and, you know, how to, how to carry yourself and how to keep a good, good sort of state of mind mm. um, is obviously something I try and do these days. Do you
1: feel that might be one of the reasons why we're struggling to find people of high quality talent at the moment in the hospitality industry because they've had a couple of years away um, or in patchy parts and maybe they've, you know, struggled with those challenges and and haven't thought hospitality sort of supported them? Like do you think, do you you sort of feel that could be a way?
0: Yeah, definitely, yeah. Because it is a tough game Mm. and obviously people have gone through a tough period and, and maybe tucking the opportunity not to come back. Do you know what I mean, which is a bit of a shame. But, mm. um, and I know there is there are parts of the industry that probably don't look after after this stuff as well as others too, which doesn't help. But mm. yeah, definitely. Um, and once once people are out, it's hard to it's hard to get them back in. Mm.
1: And how are you guys feeling about? Uh about recruitment and that kind of stuff at the moment, in regards with your people obviously having five different businesses and and different facets of the business, like how are you finding talented people in the industry to come and work for honor
0: yeah it's been uh i f- I feel like probably the shops take it in turns a little bit <laughs> uh, where it's, you know one shop is doing really well for staff and the other one sort of seems to be in a bit of a you know bad patch. Of, um, I've been really lucky over the last sort of couple of years, especially I managed to keep a lot of staff through COVID, and and I've had a sort of core crew of sort of senior casuals that have all been at uni that have hung around. They're they're about to to finish up probably at the end of the year, so I'm going to go through a little bit of a rebuild. Um, so it might be my turn to to struggle a little bit in the coming months, but mm-hmm. um, sort of looking at sort of recruiting soon. Um, yeah, it's always a luck of the draw what sort of comes through the door at the time. But um, you just got to sort of, yeah, just try and make the best informed decision. And um, I, I like to get younger kids that you know not necessarily are as skilled, but just have a really good attitude that you can train up. And you know, and if you can kind of get them for a few years, then it makes that sort of six to twelve month period of training them up sort of worthwhile. Because mm. um, there is there is a lack of skilled you know, staff around at the moment, um, which is which is a bit of a shame. Um, and it sort of has, you know, it's probably a bit more amplified with COVID, but it's always kind of been like that here in Canberra. There's so many public servants and it's so easy for them to just straight go into a you know, cushy government job where they make decent coin. Uh, so trying to get people that are really passionate and want to be a part of the industry long term is, is hard to find. Mm.
1: How do you how do you keep them passionate once they're in? Because obviously I'd imagine, you know, a brand like Honor like has really good training training systems and programs for the team. Um, that's the kind of thing I love about coffee is the fact that especially when you do an at home market, you have to think about how you train your consumer in order to make coffee and, and different things. So yeah. you've automatically got really good systems and processes how to train your, your own stuff. Um yeah. but but how are you trying to keep them once they're actually there, Danny? Because I reckon you'd be have one of the most competitive markets in Australia right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's tough. Um, obviously, you're just trying to continue to upskill them, you know, whether they want to be on the floor or behind the bar. Sometimes you can start them off on the floor, get them to weight tables, and then if you see a bit of interest and a passion there, then you can start to get them into the bar and and then train them and sort of if you can mix it up a little bit from, from floor to bar and, and keep things fresh and can constantly try and sort of teach them something new and... And then give them a little bit of responsibility as well um, can definitely help give them a chance to grow and, and become leaders themselves. Mm. Um, that that definitely helps. So
1: My final question to you, mate, like how are you feeling about the Canberra hospitality scene like coming out of COVID now, we're all in a hopefully a much happier place and especially like what are the plans for honour in the future that you can share?
0: Yeah, we've got, we've got a big year coming up uh, next year where the exterior of sort of HQ, the roastery and coffee house will be renovated. Amazing. Um, with a new, really nice sort of, sort of garden, outdoor seating area, um, uh, which will, yeah, the whole building will get a really nice facelift, which is great. Um, parts of wholesale will be renovated as well, some new offices, new training room. Uh, we're looking at having a new uh, retail space as well. Um honor our experience room, which will be something that will be pretty exciting. No one's really seen that before, so sort of fine curated sort of bar experience where we can book in groups, and we'll be doing sort of frozen retail and and a bunch of stuff, which will be which will be cool. Um, so that that'll start sort of. We'll start the renovation next year. How long it actually takes, um, we don't know, but um, so that's that'll be. A, uh, exciting once it's all done. Mm. Um, in terms of the Canberra scene, um, it's sort of an interesting bit of time. This this whole sort of QR code technology is starting to take over. Um, everyone sort of seems to be jumping on board with that. So we're sort of looking at whether we can make that work with who we are and still keep sort of our identity doing that sort of thing But I'm finding that um, yeah, everyone seems to be getting on board with that, so it's a matter of how that changes the that sort of style. I find that it's a a lot of places are just taking advantage of it, but you're not actually getting the customer service to go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but I'm sure the food scene will continue to evolve, and and uh, we'll we'll see some some more nice places pop up. Canberra's just growing and growing and growing in terms of. Um, housing and population, so um, yeah we'll we'll hopefully see some more nice venues continue to pop up good to hear
1: what I, I'm curious when you said about frozen retail what is frozen what is frozen retail in that regard so,
0: so we started freezing coffee uh, a couple of years back now um, okay. so a lot of a lot of the stuff that we like a lot of our sort of single origins and even some of our milk based blends we freeze down into doses mm-hmm. so we we We've worked out sort of, you know, by how the coffee smells out of the bag when it's at the right time, we freeze it down. Um, that just sort of locks in that that flavor. For you know, we've had coffees frozen for three years that, that are still awesome, so it just obviously extends wow. that life period. Um, and so be able to obviously freeze some really nice coffees into doses and be able to sell. You know some people don't want to spend you know 120 dollars on a 200 gram bag of of you know beautiful panama whereas they could buy a couple of doses frozen and obviously still be able to take that home and enjoy that that experience so um, yeah that'll be something really exciting well wow, that's an awesome idea
1: um i i can't wait to see when that new venue well with the existing venue evolves i think it's going to be sounds like it's going to be one of the best um, coffee experiences in australia for sure um, so i look forward to seeing it yeah, we hope so, Danny. What's the best way that people can find out more about Honor Coffee and then come down to Canberra or any of the sites around Australia and have a look?
0: Uh, yeah. Look, obviously through all our socials, um, Honor Coffee or Honor Dot Coffee House, uh, and then obviously through the website. Uh, honor Coffee has a store locator, so you can see sort of where all the accounts are throughout Australia that are serving Honor, um, and um, and then obviously, yeah, through the, you can have a look at Cupping Room's website. Uh, I think they're quite well known. They made a bit of a statement sort of a few years back. So a lot of people might might have heard about the Cupping Room. Uh, High Roads, a really nice space uh, in Dixon. Uh, and then you got, yeah, on a Sydney and on a Melbourne.
1: Beautiful. As always, that's going to be linked up in the show notes of this podcast. So you can go and check out On a Coffee wherever you're living around Australia. Thanks, Danny. Really appreciate your time. Awesome. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Raw, brought to you by Lightspeed and the Poe Network. We hope you really enjoyed the episode and we'd love for you to leave us a review and share this podcast with your friends in the industry. It would mean a lot to us and we'd love to hear your feedback on this series. To find out more about Lightspeed and how they can ignite your business in hospitality, you can find them at lightspeedhq.com.au. Thanks so much for tuning to another episode and until next time, stay well everyone.